Hi, welcome back to Credex Podcast. Today we are in conversation with Dr. Akshay Singhal, founder and CEO of Log9 Materials. He is a young and dynamic entrepreneur who is determined to put an end to the climate change with Log9's innovative yet climate-friendly technologies. Dr. Singhal, who is also a 2019 Forbes Under 30 Asia awardee, is working towards solving electric mobility and cleaning energy storage throughout the world's tropical belt, beginning in India. So without much ado, let us begin our podcast. Uh, welcome Akshay to our podcast. Hope you're doing fine. Thanks Asta, thanks for having me over. Yeah. So yeah we'll go to the first question so which is basically you know the very beginning of your life so your childhood aspirations career beginnings your educations and your hobbies so basically it would be akshay minus the entrepreneur in him so we'd like to know that and our listeners will love to have that bit of intro of from your side okay uh, so basically uh, my uh, childhood was uh, based in a very small town Uh, near Roorkee, it's called Deopan. It falls in uh, Uttar Pradesh. Uh, that's where I was uh, born and brought up. Uh, but uh, my entire schooling was in Roorkee itself. So it's a town which is 30 kilometers from Roorkee. So we used to travel every day to uh, Roorkee for my uh, schooling. And uh, uh, most of my childhood, uh, uh, given that I was uh, schooling in Roorkee in a different town, so didn't have many friends back uh, in my hometown. But uh, uh, whatever friends were there they were uh, in school um, and at the same time given that there were not many friends uh, so i was mostly uh, involved in studies and doing uh, projects on my own at home and i was uh, very uh, interested uh, in my childhood days in uh, arts and craft and uh, doing paintings and uh, those kind of stuff uh, which uh, led to a uh, so to say uh, inherent uh, interest in uh, uh, so to say uh, working with uh, Uh, chemicals uh, i i even remember uh, mixing things random things at at my house uh, building different kind of electronic circuits and what not so that that was a kind of background and given my father had a uh, uh, home appliances retail uh, business so uh, there was always uh, uh, electronic components and stuff lying around in the house and nice. so i used to kind of play around with them so that was the kind of childhood i had okay that's great and so that that was your hobby like building up things from uh, you know whatever uh, materials you had around yes so that that that's what uh, i used to do in my uh, leisure time in my childhood yeah great that's great so now we'll move on to your big day like your aha moment that happened so when you decided to be an entrepreneur you know how did that idea of starting your own business come to you basically so uh, actually in my second year is uh, when i started to uh, give a lot of uh, seriousness and attention to material science uh, that's that okay. was my uh, field of major uh, in id rurki and uh, in my second year i happened to meet uh, in one of uh, the family functions one of my uh, grandfathers uh, my real grandfather's brother so who was a, a scientist uh, at national physical laboratory and okay. uh he retired from there just a couple of years before i joined id rurki so i met him there and uh, we were uh, we were chatting about uh, what what all is happening in college and uh, i mentioned to him that i'm very interested in uh, material science research and uh, stuff like that doing projects in that so he said i keep on coming to rurki and uh, uh, why don't uh, uh, we do something together 
so that's when uh, uh, my whole uh, journey in nanotechnology material science started and we uh, i was lucky to kind of uh, get a lab space uh, in the campus in the nanotechnology department of our campus and uh, uh, that's when uh, he started to come to Rudki every weekend and we would kind of uh, lock ourselves up in that uh, lab and uh, do various kinds of experiments and stuff that that started to happen and at the same uh, almost at the same time uh, there was another professor uh, in material science department uh, who joined in uh, from university of florida uh, this was uh, dr indranil lahiri and he had his uh, uh, background in graphene nanotechnology research so that uh, excited me and we started to kind of uh, uh, i started to work uh, under his supervision as well uh, doing uh, research under uh, under uh, in, in the field of graphene itself so that that was the background and with that background actually i went to uh, uh, university of alberta in canada uh, for my uh, third year internship and uh, usually what happens is when whenever we are uh, studying or working in uh, any of the indian colleges right so the uh, and if you are if you have an interest in research uh, it's always like uh, the real research happens somewhere in the us europe or germany or places like that right 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 and, uh, people uh, typically uh, try to gravitate towards these uh, uh, geographies and uh, and feel that uh, real work can only happen there not in india yeah so i also had a similar feeling uh, before i went to canada but when I, once i went to canada i realized that if you really want to do work and if you are motivated for it uh, enough resources are available in the country and okay. it's not like a red carpet is being rolled out for you in any other nation for that matter so if you really have to uh, fight to get resources and if you really have to kind of uh, 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 kind of be really passionate about the work that you're doing then why not uh, do it uh, in india for india so that was the okay. kind of uh, realization at the same time i also realized that uh, academic research is something not uh, which is not meant for me and it's better that i uh, develop more commercial facing products uh, do research in that segment and that's when i decided in canada itself uh, that i'll come back and uh, start uh, working on my uh, on my own venture so that that was uh, the that was the time yeah that's really great you know this will kind of change the perspective of people like our listeners also if they're planning to you know research on something or the other they, they will not just believe in that we move uh, out of the country and then only we can figure out something it's it's really great and motivating great so we'll move on to log 9 materials now so you know what made you think of log 9 materials and you know not something else also we'll like to know about your company how did you how did you you know start uh, building it up and what were the challenges that you faced right so uh, basically i never was interested in uh, typical while uh, while the while while being an entrepreneur runs in the family and uh, we come i come from a business family although with a very humble background but yet uh, that uh, that initial in, uh, inherent knack for business was there but the idea was or or the motivation was never there to kind of launch another app or do another kind of fintech saas or anything like that kind of a startup right and yeah. i was anyways as i mentioned uh, was involved in uh, deep tech research uh, from the very early days in the college itself so uh, the idea was to build uh, because in india if you look at it right uh, we have never been technology creators we all, always have been either uh, somebody who apply who are just users of technology and and that was a very big pain point for me and the idea was to develop a local uh, uh, advanced nanotechnology medical science competency in india and to develop products around it 
So that was the thought process behind Log9. And we started uh, typically as a material science company, not knowing what products, what applications to look for, but uh, had mm -hmm. one uh, material at the center of it, which is graphene, which is a form of okay. carbon. And that's where journey started. So for the first two years, uh, we were uh, in ID Rookie campus itself. We were the first company to be incubated there. And uh, those two years we spent uh, developing our baseline competency in understanding the material, developing processes to create it more efficiently, customize it, and then look at applications. So right. that's what happened in the first two years. And finally, when we moved to Bangalore in 2017 is when we started to leverage this competency and create uh, technologies ground up. And uh, in, initially, uh, the choice was uh, uh, between two tracks of technologies. One uh, was to uh, look at filtration technologies, whether it is purifying air, water, or oil in that sense. And the other track was to solve for energy storage. Because uh, right. because one of the things that I also uh, picked up, or a bug that I picked up uh, over, over, over my college days was to kind of uh, do something about climate change. And that uh, feeling kind of grew stronger and stronger as the years and days passed by. So from that perspective, these two tracks seem relevant uh, to do something for the environment. And uh, finally, we narrowed down uh, towards energy storage, basically making uh, battery and energy technologies in India relevant for India and uh, uh, wherever it can be applied across the world. Uh, so for that as well. OK, that's great. So since we are talking about climate here, like we started talking about it, you said that you had kind of an inclination about doing something for the climate as well. So do you think EVs bear a cost to our climate? Like, can we call it environment friendly? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, absolutely. so the thing is that EVs in their current shape and form, while they're a good start uh, to solving for climate change, in the current shape and form, they are not able to contribute positively. There is a roadmap for it to be cleaner and greener. But the biggest challenge is that today, while we talk about EVs and using EVs, the electricity that we are using to charge these vehicles is still coming from a coal-powered grid. Okay. Right. And uh, and because that's the case, while uh, your still per kilometer emissions from the vehicle are still lower than directly burning diesel or petrol in the car, but mm. essentially the the uh, the only benefit that you're getting right now is not creating pollution in the cities, but somewhere else. Okay. And okay. The reason uh, why I say that is because batteries uh, or battery manufacturing. In, to start with is a very uh, emission intensive process so there are far higher emissions that go into making the batteries to start with and then we are trying to uh, kind of uh, uh, say that we are doing better with uh, uh, with not emitting anything from the tailpipe but yeah, inherently we are still charging using coal based power so what happens is because you have very high emissions that we have that have gone out uh, to start with in, in the vehicle manufacturing process itself just to give you exact numbers a typical, uh, if you look at two vehicles which are absolutely the same in terms of power and capabilities, right? Uh, and one vehicle is EV versus the other vehicle is diesel. The EV has uh, would have led to almost close to 1.7 to 2x more emissions in the manufacturing process. Okay. And then when we use electricity to power up the EV, we are only reducing uh, around 20 25% of uh, emissions as long as it's a coal powered uh, system or it's a major uh, co majorly coal driven electricity grid that we have so what happens is to get parity between emissions of an ev and a diesel it takes 100000 kilometers before you can have a ev to be cleaner including the emissions in manufacturing and the running emissions it takes 100000 kilometers to get that parity and the the challenge is that in uh, in india no personal uh, utility vehicle kind of uh, ever drives for 100,000 kilometers in its lifetime. 
so that's mm. where uh, it becomes a big conundrum that are we really uh, solving for anything and given that we have a very short window left to really solve for climate change are we uh, devoting our resources in the right segment and that's the reason at log 9 we took a call that uh, we will uh, unless and until the grid becomes better which is which is which it's on a right track to become cleaner but unless and until it becomes yeah. cleaner we will only focus on commercial applications of electric vehicles because that's where the utilization in the life of the vehicle is uh, almost close to 2 and a half 300000 kilometers right and uh, that's when you can really get the green benefit but at yeah. the same time solving for cleaner energy storage or basically uh, cleaner grid remains to be the most impactful uh, sector where you can create most of the climate change uh, impact uh, uh, if you look at it all sort of energy requirement right electricity requirement that we have whether it is for our homes for our offices for our vehicles any kind of energy requirement that contributes to 75% of all uh, all emissions put together in the ecosystem so if we solve for the right kind of energy generation energy storage and then energy utilization we are we will be solving 75% or 2/3 or oh, sorry 3/4 of the entire climate change challenge and uh, ev only uh, factors into the utilization part you also need right. to solve for generation and storage right so you know we can we really can make a difference if we you know kind of work towards it maybe in the future so can we say comparatively ev you know is little environment friendly than the rest of the vehicles ev is definitely more environment friendly than the rest of the vehicles at least you are saving the city level pollution that is yes, there yes right and as long as uh, you're ev using an ev for any kind of commercial application whether it's a two wheeler for food deliveries whether it's a three wheeler for grocery and e-commerce deliveries whether it's a four wheeler for all sorts of your logistics and um, uh, those kind of operations or whether it is a bus or a truck uh, that is being used in the in the city or in the in the country in general as long as these vehicles are being electrified we are already uh, reducing significant amount of emissions going out into the atmosphere right so um so i came across uh, you know your portfolio where you were saying that you know you were uh, you are investing heavily in the research and development of aluminum foils uh, fuel cells so by any chance do they contribute uh, you know in making climate change little better so we have uh, two types of battery technologies that we are uh, kind of uh, pioneering in india on one right. side uh, it is a normal lithium ion technology specifically built for indian conditions which can be charged at uh, charged as fast as in 15 minutes time and uh, at the same time offer a very long life so basically that reduces the amount of battery waste that you create in the in the ecosystem and uh, you have more consistency on the vehicles and at the same time it can work at uh, highest of indian temperatures uh, more than 60 65 degrees celsius without any kind of safety or uh, any kind of efficiency loss Uh, okay. so that is one track of technologies which is already has which already has been commercialized by log 9 across two wheeler three wheeler platforms and uh, now four wheelers are also upcoming okay. talking about the other track which is the aluminum fuel cell technology is the technology meant for longer haul vehicles when you, when you need a vehicle to go for let's say 1000 kilometers or more uh, in in a single day in that case uh, that technology becomes relevant because uh, carrying that much amount of battery on the vehicle is not feasible or charging it on on the way is also not feasible in that sense because you have to cover that many kilometers in a single day time so to that technology uh, aluminum fuel cell technology enables you to refuel a electric vehicle uh, while still not having any kind of tailpipe emissions again the way you create aluminum 
will always be dependent upon what kind of a electricity grid that we have right correct so uh, then we will we'll just talk about since we are talking about evs and you know commercial vehicles so you know according to your experience what would you suggest a customer who might be a listener also uh, you know must ask before buying an ev so before buying an ev one thing which is very important to ask is uh, or to uh, to really think uh, not even ask but to think yourself is to see that see, there's a very big push for longer and longer range electric vehicles right right longer range electric vehicles basically mean that you need more batteries in the vehicle and more battery means more emissions in manufacturing of those batteries so right. what a usual customer needs to think about is that how much of a range do i really need is this a vehicle for um, if if i'm driving this vehicle mostly within the city limits uh, during its uh, lifetime then do i really need a 300 400 kilometer kind of a range on my vehicle okay right? so should i should i not go for a smaller range vehicle because that will enable my vehicle to be far far more greener to start with just to give you a comparison right uh, mm -hmm. if you look at a, a, a tata nexon or something like that right then mention of 100000 kilometers but if you look at a tesla in case of it might come at around 100 kilometers so from that perspective what choice of vehicle are we making if if we want to go greener with our vehicles but if we are not making a intelligent choice in terms of range then uh, we are essentially losing uh, the entire play so that's the first yeah. thing that, we, that the customer needs to ask uh, ask himself the okay. second part which comes in is that uh, where am i going to charge it is there a possibility and this i am purely talking from a personal user perspective commercial right. still uh, makes sense on its own but from a personal uh, user perspective second thing that uh, he or she can ask uh, them themselves is uh, is there a possibility of combining a solar uh, rooftop along in in my house to charge this vehicle if you are living in an independent house then definitely go for a solar rooftop along with buying an ev because then the entire energy that you're using to charge uh, the vehicle is coming from a green source and you'll be significantly uh, improving uh, the kind of emissions that uh, that you are putting out and the threshold which was 100000 kilometers can come down to 20 25000 kilometers so you have a significant saving on that front the third okay. thing which is purely a consumer uh, so to say satisfaction point is that what is the kind of life and consistency and reliability that i am getting in the indian environment is the, is this battery going to last for uh, the entire life of the vehicle or not is this going to, is this vehicle going to uh, work efficient as efficiently as on day 1 as uh, i would be using it in the 8th or 10th year so those kind of questions are also important because if you have batteries which are dying down very quickly right mm -hmm. then you will uh, have to go for battery replacement and then that battery replacement itself uh, will lead to more emissions going out into the manufacturing process and at the right. same time uh if the batteries are not reliable to work in indian conditions then you can end up with safety risk in terms of fire hazards or anything like that so those are the three most relevant uh, questions that a consumer should be asking right so this will help out you know uh, even our listeners and consumers those will be listening to this in you know majorly so um your newly launched battery swapping policy uh you know uh can can you know the evs be more commercially viable and scalable on this basis 
So uh, first of all, uh, battery swapping is a subset of the larger policy, which is battery as a service, right? When you are trying to financially decouple the battery from the vehicle. Okay. Right now, under battery as service, you can have a swapping route, or you can also have a fixed battery in the vehicle, which is for which you are not paying upfront, but you are just paying as a, a monthly subscription. Okay. So these are the two options under the larger ambit of battery as a service. Okay. Right. This battery as service, yes, is an important step because in that case, you can really push for more resilient, more long life batteries, right? So that you have lesser and lesser amount of replacement. And at the same time, from a consumer perspective, you lower down the cost uh, of uh, upfront purchase cost of the vehicle. And anyways, because the operating cost is lower, and even if you combine the cost of battery over there, the running cost, uh, the, the, so to say, the, uh, uh, the cost per kilometer, is realized much more easy, uh, much more easily, right? Okay. So that that is the piece. Talking particularly about swapping, while it offers the same financial benefits to the customer, there are other inherent business viability challenges that will come that come with swapping because swapping swappable batteries degrade faster than the usual batteries because of this uh, the constant taking in and taking out of uh, uh, these batteries in the system. There are issues in terms of safety which come in because every time you will plug and de-plug you can remember right uh, if you have ever seen a normal uh, lead acid battery which goes in a, a typical petrol or a diesel car every time you plug and de-plug it there are sparks that that can happen right 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 so and if you're doing this uh, every day and not like once in a while then these challenges can really multiply the third okay. thing is that more number of batteries are required uh, per number of vehicles on the road in the swapping scenario and that leads to further problem because as I mentioned, batteries are the most dirtiest, battery manufacturing is the most dirty part of the entire equation. And if you are mm -hmm. adding more number of batteries uh, in the ecosystem per number of vehicle, then you are aggravating the problem in general, right? right. So that, that is the kind of uh, concern that we have from a swapping as a concept. And if you look at it primarily, right, uh, why did swapping come into the picture? Swapping came into the picture because charging was just too slow. So it came in oh. as an as a interim solution. But now, given that, uh, for example, uh, Logline itself is able to offer less than 15 minutes of full charging time, 0 to 100%, then with rapid charging batteries coming into the picture, do we really need a swap? Mm -hmm. Right. So this can, you know, we, we can call it commercially viable and scalable in that case. Commercially and viable and scalable, but it will come with its own cost. It will come with its own uh, environmental cost as well as the financial cost. See, right now, uh, to start the ecosystem, a lot of companies can uh, subsidize the rates right, on swapping uh, because of uh, any kind of financier capital coming in or whatever. right? But eventually, if there are more number of batteries required per vehicle, and there are challenges of batteries being stolen because they can be easily removed from the vehicle and stuff like that and batteries failing more frequently then it will the cost will pile up and somebody will have to pay the cost and it will eventually come to the customer itself right right so you know so much talking about uh, evs and your company so now we'll I, i'll finally ask you a little personal question which is you know achieving your resolution that you have on bringing a new approach to revolutionize clean clean uh, mobility and electric mobility segments span india so how how do you plan on doing that 
So uh, as I mentioned, uh, as a company, we've taken a call that we want to solve for commercial mobility applications to start with, because that's where we can create the largest environmental impact with the resources and with the solutions that we have. That is one. And then we are not stopping at electric mobility or solving, just making batteries for vehicles. But we are also making long, very long life, resilient batteries for uh, clean energy storage. Because if you look at uh, cleaning up the electricity grid, uh, we have few options, which is solar and wind and nuclear, if we can scale that, right? So, uh, but solar and wind particularly are very intermittent sources. So whatever right. you generate during the daytime, right? You need to store it for 24 seven utilization. And in that case, batteries are required. And what we, what we are able to do is batteries which can last for more than 20 years, that is as long as the solar panels will last. And that provides a very uh, reliable uh, solution for large scale energy storage. And then uh, we'll be able to achieve our uh, uh, ambitious target of 500 gigawatt of renewable energy generation, which the Prime Minister has announced in COP26 uh, 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 within, the, uh, within the 2030 year kind of a timeline that we have. So, so that is what we are uh, uh, trying to do at Log9. That's great. You know, see, uh, achieving so many things and even taking one step towards success as at such an young age is really commendable. So I, you know, uh, ask you your your side of the tip, you know, your leadership mantra. So my uh, one thing that I can say over here is that uh, if you see a problem, if you are able to perceive and observe a problem, that means it affects you and it is your problem as much as it is the government's problem or somebody else's problem in that sense. And if you're able to see that problem, uh, rather than cribbing about it, you should take action. And if you can do something to uh, start doing it right away. Right, right. That's really nice. You know, it was really great talking to you, Akshay, you know, knowing about so many things about, you know, battery cells, EVs, uh, how they're comparatively better for the climate, yet they are, you know, in the process of making it more uh, environment-friendly from your company's side. So it was really great having this chat with you. And I am I'm pretty sure our uh, listeners will also, you know, uh, have a great time listening to this podcast. So I'll again thank you for giving us your time. Thank you, Asa. It was a complete, uh, absolute pleasure talking to you and sharing my thoughts. Thanks a lot. It was it was a pleasure from our side, you know, having you on board for this. Thank you.